Attention radio listeners. Ooh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Bayheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. And good morning with Aton Thomas. I'm Danny Shays here with Center of Attention on uh, a fantastic Friday. We got lots of great anticipation stuff coming up for the weekend. Uh, obviously, the you know the 600-pound gorilla of stories is uh, Clemson coming to the Dome tomorrow. Uh, first sellout in 20 years, number one team, national champs. Cuse uh, coming off probably their most disappointing conceivable game. Uh, forget that it actually was, but I don't think they could have imagined, uh, you know, kind of a worse lead-in game. And so I think the first question you got to ask is uh, how do you regroup from that and what's their mood going to be going into this one? I mean, you got to put that last game behind you and not even think about it. I mean, I said that that was a throwaway game. I've had plenty of times where, you know, you play, you stink it up, nothing goes right, you don't even really need to watch film because everything was just terrible, and you just throw it away and move past it. That's what I think they have to do. They have to put that Maryland game completely out of their mind and get ready to play the the, the number one team in the country coming to a, a sold-out Carrier Dome. I'm going to keep saying Carrier Dome. I'm, I'm a, I don't know. I'm going to keep saying it for a while. But, they play, you know, a <laughs> Hold down Carrier Dome and, and, and handle the business tomorrow. I mean, that, that's where the mindset has to be. Exactly. Well, you know, they still call it the Carrier Dome in the newspaper. Okay, cool. Or, so, all right. And so, and last time I used my eight track, you know, they were still calling it that too. So we're all good. You know, it's funny. I've had it go. Uh, I've had it go both ways. Uh, I remember one time I mentioned a, a big blowout loss we had. Uh, against the Lakers in Game One of a conference finals, uh, uh, I mean it was it was a real, real butt kicking, mm-hmm. and in the fabulous forum against you know the Showtime Lakers, you know Magic, Kareem, James Worthy, all the Hall of Famers, and uh, and that one we just you know we put it behind us. Doug Moe with a lot of swagger came out and said we're going to win the next one by twenty, uh, and we we end, we ended up doing it. I also. You know, played in games where we really stunk it up. Actually, we had a game when I was in college, probably the worst loss ever. Uh, we played at DePaul with the Mark Aguirre team. Terry Cummings was on that team. Mm. And uh, national TV, we were super hyped going in. And, I mean, if you talk about a man among boys game, they just ran us out of the gym, made everything. They were two steps faster, more aggressive, and it wasn't even a, a – you know, we weren't even on, on the same floor with them. And, uh, you know, after that, we, we actually did look at the film. And the point of that was to look down and say, look, you know, look how badly we got beat. But if you look at it play by play, those plays were winnable plays. Mm. You know, you could see where we, you know, got out of sync, where we kind of stopped – Playing hard, that's not really the right way to put it, but, you know, stop, like lost our, our oomph, you know, that extra power where they just out, outworked us and, and out-hustled us. Right. And you know, when you look at it, the film, you go, yeah, we could see how we got beat so bad, but it ended up you know, making us feel better from the standpoint that we saw we could have turned that into winnable plays instead of I, you know, the complete you know, just uh, disaster that it was. 
Right, and you have to be able to take positives out of any type of loss. I mean, there are blocks of times where they were making a little surge, where they did do something, you know, positive that you can look at. And I think it's always, you know, I'm a positive reinforcement type of a coach with my uh-huh. AAU team. Do you know what I mean? And that's what there, there's positives that you can bring out of any situation. But you know, if you look at the new. Uh, ah, say the newspapers again. But anyway, if you look at the newspapers, <laughs> you know what I mean? And everything after the Maryland game was just so negative and just so – and I'm just like, you know, I would tell all the guys, stay completely away from social media. You know, those who read newspapers, stay completely away from them. You know what I mean? And just have tunnel – but I can't say it enough because I was looking at this article and it said, like, Syracuse has no chance to win against <laughs> against Clemson. I was like, wow, that was like the title of the article. And I was just right. like, wow, it, you know. I hope they're just ignoring all of that and just come out ready to play tomorrow. Well, you know what's really interesting? There's this concept of, uh, you know, you're a pitcher coming out, you're playing against a big team, and you give up an early home run, right? And it kind of it can go two ways. One, you can demoralize you, or mm-hmm. it can kind of knock the nervousness out of you. You know, uh, like I remember the, the the first time I played against Shaq when he was a rookie, I was with Milwaukee, and and he was just a force of nature back then, uh, mm-hmm. coming out and and you know you know you're as a big you know your spots on the floor you know that if you got a guy two feet outside the lane or if you got one step off the lane you know his moves change his uh, ability to finish changes you know your defense ch- angles change, and I had him pushed out. You know, as far, you know, two feet outside the lane, I knew he couldn't dunk from there until he did. <laughs> until and, he did, right? <laughs> I mean, it was the, it was probably the, I, I'm still on his highlight reel somewhere because I still see it come up when they show Shaq dunks and I'm there, you know, just covering my head as he's just, you know, shaking the whole end of the building. Right. And, but what it did is it woke me up, right? I was like, damn, now I know, you know, now it's for real. I got it quick. Uh, and it was you. early in the game, you know, like really like the first, you know, one of the first probably five possessions of the game. And after that, man, I was, I was zoned in. I was like, damn, I'm, this is do or die here. He's really going to put a, put a show on. So, you know, back, you mm-hmm. know, after that, I was, you know, had him, you know, picked up at the top of the key, bumping him now two steps off the lane, you know, getting on his left shoulder so he couldn't go middle, you know, everything. You made all the adjustments. And, and you know, so sometimes those cases getting you know getting that quick spank works for you. You know, like I said, knocks that nervousness out. You're you're no longer living in that. You know, are we or aren't we? And and uh, you know, so we'll see. I'm and I'm the same as you. I'm a positive reinforcement guy. Let's go get them. Let's brush this one off. At least football, you got a week to do that, right? I mean, it's not like right. basketball. You got a game tomorrow. And so I'm looking forward to them to come out. Uh, you know, on fire tomorrow because they got their butts whooped last week and uh, right, you know football's right. big plays right if you if you take away if you probably turn five plays around in the maryland game it's a completely mm-hmm. different game yeah you know yeah, and yeah. uh because you know one play you know big score or you know big change of momentum or you know big you know you got them held back and they squirm out of a you know third and long from their 10 you know those kind of plays you know can really turn a game around in football so you know so i'm looking forward to an exciting game tomorrow i'm going to be uh, glued to the set for that one I, I am too and i i think they really should embrace the the them against the world type of mentality um, where it, it brings teams together more, where they band together, they have nobody else but each other. Nobody thinks they're going to have a chance to even compete in the game. Not even your own papers. Not even your own. You know right. what I mean? They can really yeah. build up that them against the world uh, type of mentality. But you know, I'm I'm hoping for the best of them too. I can't wait to see. 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're gonna do. We're gonna go orange on that one. And then the other big news. Uh, uh, the other big orange news is the basketball schedule was out. Uh, mm. We briefly touched on it as far as you know, kind of what what the games are going to be with the bigger ACC schedule. Obviously, we've got uh, ACC games early in the season, opening up against Virginia at home, the defending national champs again. I mean, what are the odds? Both sports back to back national champs. Uh, you know, I mean, talk about a great way to start both seasons. Of course, you got to be in a conference that wins both championships, right? I mean, and, right. Uh, you know, I don't know how often that happens, especially you know for the ACC for football. But, mm-hmm. uh, but a, you know, great schedule. All you know, by the time you get into you know after the first of the year, I think Hughes plays six games in a row at home on a Saturday, all going to be big crowds, all against you know good teams: Duke, Wake, you know, Georgia Tech, Carolina, Notre mm-hmm. Dame coming in. Uh, you know, I mean, so I, I look at this as a, as a great schedule for Syracuse as a rebuild, you know, quasi rebuilding year, we'll say. Uh, right. you know, you're going to have you know, big home crowds against the top teams. You know, they don't have as many of those, you know, tough down, you know, uh, you know short turnaround down on the road, road games. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is a, you know, this is a great schedule for this team. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be interesting, you know. And they play in the NIT uh, tip-off, you know, so they 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 have some 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 uh, out of conference games like Oklahoma State and you know whoever wins out of Penn State and Mississippi and you know Iowa. I'm sitting there looking at it now. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great test for them, and they they're a team that's going to have to formulate quickly, and that's why I think that it was really good for uh, them to to go overseas uh, and have that bonding that they needed to do uh, because they were losing so many players i mean when you lose that many players of a of a you know from a from a team the previous year um, exactly you have a whole new team you have a whole new group of guys that get to got to get to know each other very quickly and you know that has to happen very quickly here or or it can get ugly very quickly you know what i mean and that's the thing that you don't want you don't want it to go to go south where you're looking at you're like the miami dolphins and you know what i mean <laughs> the whole season is is over for the beginning and and it, of course it's different in basketball because because you could turn things around, you know, for a different month. But you want to get off on a good bonding start where everybody's right. trying to play in rhythm as much as possible having this many new players. What's really interesting is that this is a, a great opportunity for guys to step up, mm-hmm. right? We talk about Elijah Hughes uh, this summer coming in as a leader, not only right. as a scoring leader, but as, as a team leader. You know, no scholarship seniors on the roster. Uh, you know, good young players, but then you got a guy like a Buddy Beheim who, you know, came in, you know, dealing with the baggage of being the coach's son and feeling his right. way and, you know, advancing his game. You know, he has the opportunity to step up in leadership. You know, you got, you know, all new guard positions. Uh, you know, obviously your, your point guard is your leader on offense. And then, uh, you know, hopefully Sadibe's legs are good. He, you know, he showed mm-hmm. so much promise this summer to lead that he defense did. at the rim. So, you know, so that's what I'm really looking forward to is to see, who, you know, how that leadership uh, role is going to be filled. Who's going to step up and, and do it not just, uh, like I said, by scoring, uh, but, but by taking on that mantle of team leadership. And that, you know, that's something that's going to define a lot. Uh, how this team comes together, but what, what's what's really cool also, you know, no matter how the regular season goes, you go into the ACC tournament and you can turn the whole thing around. That is true, and we have done that plenty of times. But and it's you all know, about you... peaking at the end, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and this is a team that I think can, uh, you know, build throughout the season. You know, you mentioned that that summer trip. You're right; it'll do a lot to bring it together, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and now uh, with this longer ACC calendar. 
uh, strong teams at home. We, you'll have big crowds. You know, as the season peaks at the end, you know, starting in February and with Duke and State and then you got at Louisville, then Carolina, your last home game. I mean, that's uh, you're going to be running the gauntlet. Right at the end there to you know getting ready for the both the you know ideally ACC and NCAA tournament so uh, so no I think this is uh, I agree with you this could be a great opportunity for this team to build and gel throughout the year and I am glad to see that they're playing Georgetown I know I, I know I'm oh, we always talk about how we're old school and I, I just love that yeah. Georgetown Syracuse rivalry and I'm glad they're never going to let it die off so I'm glad to see Georgetown on the schedule uh, and they're playing them. You know what I love about that? That Patrick Ewing is there. Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, because it makes it Georgetown. Right, right? I agree. If, if it was just somebody else who took over, you know, after mm-hmm. the Toms, after, you know, John Thompson, you know, two and three, and then who knows mm-hmm. who, you know, if it was just a guy, it would be, you know, it would kind of lose the magic. But to have Patrick Ewing there, uh, you know, clearly Syracuse's favorite opponent, tongue in cheek, uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe <laughs> in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think that is something that, you know, for us old school, you know, Big East guys, you know, that's something that really ties that, uh, that rivalry back to that rivalry, you know, because Patrick's there at the helm. I agree. I agree. And I agree 100%. And, you know, you always hear, you know, guys, we're, we're talked about guys, guys that are older guys, Derek Coleman, Billy Owens, you know what I mean, Roosevelt Bowie, John Wallace, everybody talking about how we just can't let the biggest thing go. We can't. I, I, we, we cannot let it go. I know a lot of people are saying, move on. We're not the biggest anymore. We're in the ACC. We can't let it go. So y'all just going to have to work with us. Okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, we, exactly. There's well, so I'll much history. What, it, it, was a ma- it was a magical time. Uh, you know, look, the ACC is an amazing conference, especially basketball. I mean, I think, uh, I think hands down, it's the best conference in the country uh, mm-hmm. in today's in today's game. And uh, but the you know, the Big East was a magical time for our era. You know, that founding you know, for the, the first ten years of the Big East, and so we're all gonna uh, enjoy that. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, to be honest, I, I'm enjoying the ACC. I think if what you know, I, I, to get Syracuse to finish in the top three, four is going to make us an ACC team. And that, I, I, you know, for me emotionally, I don't think we've still quite made that transition to be an ACC team. And I think that's where we're, you know, we're all kind of still have one toe back in the Big East. But uh, but we'll right. see. I'm looking forward. To, I'm excited for a great year. All right, we're going to take our first break. Atan Thomas and Danny Shays here on Centers of Attention. And we'll be back after this. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. And we are back. I'm Danny Shays with Aton Thomas and uh, uh, Aton. We're you know we're kind of back to our update section of the show and kind of what's what's new you know updated in some of these stories. And I'll tell you what the one that you know we both struggle with is this Antonio Brown thing. You know won't go away. Everyone is. Uh, kind of still talking about what to do is the more you try and ignore it the more you uh, you know you, you can't ignore it and uh so we'll 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 make an attempt and be as delicate as we can on it but uh you know both of yeah. us are we're kind of scratching our heads on you know how to approach this thing it's a tough one you know and whatever you have you know with rape allegations um and you start looking at the timeline and dissecting it you don't want to put the victim on trial you know what I mean? That that's you don't exactly. want to right. You don't want to do that. But then you have to understand and 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 be honest that there are false allegations. I mean, I know that is not you know we're gonna get a ton of you know what I mean. Very upset 
twi- tweets and things like that, but there, that's not something that you can ignore. There are false allegations, and I do believe that false allegations make it more difficult for for actual you know victims because then people question um, when they come forward with theirs. And I, and I, exactly. I will I will say that that's that's the honest truth. But you know, it, it, when you're unraveling everything, because the video just came out of them being you know looking. Nobody forced, looking very friendly. And I will say that doesn't mean that that he couldn't have still raped her. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean uh-huh. that, you know, that, you know, everybody smiles for the camera. Like, they're, that's a good time when they're showing. that There could have been an opposite bad time. You know what I mean? Right. But it's just... It's just such a tough situation. I, you know, I, I don't know how we dissect it, but it, it's 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 really tough situation altogether. It is because on the one hand, you know, we all know, uh, or at least can imagine, how difficult it is for uh, a woman to come out with Definitely. these type of allegations, with the you know, with the details of it, with the. Uh, you know, with all that's uh, you know, unpacked around that, then you got the, you know, the flip side is you look at the timing. Well, it's the day he signs his contract, you know, his big contract. It's, right. you know, you go, well, uh, you know, they were, you know, had a long term, you know, friend relationship, uh, you know, was mis- mixed signals, who knows? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it's, uh, uh, you know, nothing was filed with the police at the time, nothing, which again, doesn't prove you know, anything either, you know, there's just so right. many different elements right. and, uh, you know, it's just so hard to, you know, to kind of figure out where to go. On the one hand, you do have to be supportive of, you know, women who come out. I mean, obviously she's bringing a lot of detail, right. not just, uh, you know, a generic thing. And, uh, and he did admit that there was relations, right? He's mm-hmm. saying consensual, she's yes. saying no. And, you know, which makes it even more difficult, right? How, cause there's, you know, it's uh, the evidence will, you know, if, if there is evidence that you know, he was there, so uh, you know, and it uh, it just throws a, you know, it, it's really a quagmire. I mean, it's so you know so difficult to you know to you know, to piece these things together, and then you know now the season's starting. You've got him in the locker room. It, they got a game next week. Uh, you know, probably the closest thing I can come to this from personal experience, uh, as I mentioned earlier, my wife Wendy was an Olympic uh, springboard diver, national champion, NCAA champion, and uh, two weeks before her Olympic trials, uh, her coach uh, was a guy named Dick Kimball, legendary coach in the diving world, was the coach at University of Michigan for uh, for decades. He was the mm-hmm. uh, the Bayheim of of University of Michigan. His son Bruce uh, was the number one challenger to Greg Louganis in that era in, in the uh, early mid eighties. Two weeks before the eighty eight Olympic trials, Bruce gets in a fatal car accident, driving drunk. A uh, lot of controversy over over the details around it, but the facts were he drove into a uh, at the end of a cul-de-sac, a crowd of kids around you know, who were partying where they shouldn't have been. The police didn't clear it out. Uh, blah, blah, blah. There were a lot of, lot of circumstances. That actually was the first major event that MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, coalesced around this. So uh, they're now going through the Olympic trials, and it was so it's such a short time frame, there wasn't time to adjudicate anything, and he was allowed to participate in the trials. So now two weeks after this thing, you know, that, again, it, it happened. There was no denying that it happened, but there was a lot of controversy over the circumstances. Uh, everyone's trying to pick an Olympic team, and, they're, and they compete in the meet. You know, you got to win the meet. And every day they're going through protesters and, uh, you know, the pressure and her the son is his uh, of her of his, her coach. You know, her coach is the guy's father. So it's I mean, it was a brutal experience, and uh, you know, the, with with a timeline. And now you look at the 
you know, this case with the Patriots, the season starting. Does he play? Does he not play? What's, you know, do you follow the rule, you know, guilt, innocent till proven guilty? Or do you, is he guilty till proven innocent? You know, these are the kind of the issues that uh, peripherally have to be addressed. Well, um, a report came out, and um, I'll read the report. It said, at this point, uh, the NFL will not place Antonio Brown on commissioner-exempt list as there is no criminal investigation, making him eligible eligible to play Sunday versus Miami, um, per sources. The NFL has opened this investigation, which will include interviews with Antonio Brown and his accuser. Now, this is where I have an issue. Because the NFL is acting like they had no prior knowledge of this. That's, that, that's my issue. Because, you know, the, the NFL does their homework. Just like the NBA does their homework. Just like the NCAA. Just like coaches. They do their homework. They know about accusations before they've even, the public knows. Before they've even gone to the police. They know. So all the time when this happens, the NFL's first response is, oh, we had no knowledge of this. We, listen, I have no doubt in my mind that the Patriots knew very well about these accusations before they signed him. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind that, that the Raiders knew about these allegations before the season started because they do their homework. That's my only issue is the lack of transparency. Well, I remember when um, the situation happened with Ray Rice, and they swore right. up and down that they did not know about it prior, and then Ray Rice's wife was like, wait a minute. We had a conversation about this. I came to you. I sat in your office. What are you talking about? And I you know think what I mean? the Ezekiel Elliott thing was the same kind of issue. Uh you know, we're, we're meaning that it wasn't a secret, but they had to deal with it. And I think one of the mistakes here the NFL makes that, you know, the NBA has been a little more forward thinking about this, especially with uh, the, the, you know, obviously the head of the Players Association for the NBA being a woman, you know, the first uh, woman head of a, of a major sports player association, is they've put really specific, accurate and thought out policies in place before something happens. Mm-hmm. So when something happens... There's a there's a plan, right? And it, and it's thought out when people are calm, not when there's some crisis. The NFL seems just to jump crisis to crisis, and they it doesn't seem like they have a plan for stuff, right? They just, you know, every crisis seems like they're starting over and going, well, what about this one? You know, to, you know, like Ezekiel Elliott was suspended without even ever being charged with anything, right? And uh, uh, you know, in that case, it was, uh, you know, so they have these rules that they're applying without any kind of relationship to due process or to, you know, or, or what's going on in the background. You know, they, it's almost like it's, you know, based on, uh, you know, who complains loudest on Twitter and they have to do, you know, they have to react. And, and, that, and that's, that's what, just not a good philosophy. philosophy exactly. Right? And like everything is like they just jump <laughs> crisis to crisis. And, right. and I think that that's one of the things that, that makes it even harder to figure out is, you know, nobody knows how to proceed. And you know, I and I have to say, I you know, I just got you know a couple of a couple of tweets, and I knew I knew it would as soon as we're touching on this topic. But I and I have to say, and I and I have to respond to this though, because you know the 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 first thought, and I know you want to always believe women, and I understand the Me Too movement, and I'm supportive of all the different you know horrible situations that you hear, you know, what I mean, where these people in power, in positions of power, that have exerted those power over people that are either working for them or something like that to have sexual. I I understand that completely. Do you know what I mean? But every situation is different, and you have to look at and examine the facts of every situation. You can't just blanketly say. 
believe all women all the time because there are situations where women have made false allegations and then you mm-hmm. you know you hear people as people tweeting me right now like well according to the percentages all right i'm not talking about percentages i'm talking about do they happen or not i was at syracuse university i played with a player uh, i'll just say his name i played with a player todd bergen okay and and todd bergen had rape allegations um against him uh, he's in and out of court his senior year you know what I mean? He played a little bit. He didn't play a little bit. They suspended him. He, they didn't suspend him. Um, they ruined his entire senior year. He doesn't get drafted. Two years later, the girl says, I made it all up. I was lying because I was mad. Now, and, and now nothing happens to her. You know what I mean? No kind of punishment. No kind of falsifying police report. Nothing like that. But, mm-hmm. but he lost his entire senior year, never was drafted, entire career, and everything derailed and went a different way. Billy Edelin played at Syracuse. Billy Edelin was the point guard. He was better than McNamara at the time. You know right. what I mean? He was he yeah. was destroying him at practice. McNamara will tell you that himself. He gets into a situation where two girls accused him of something. He had the actual videotape that said, "Listen, I can show you. This did not happen. Nobody was forced." Then they were, oh, you know, of course you can't tape somebody without their knowledge and everything like that. So it's not admissible. But my point is that the rape did not happen, and later on, one of them um, admitted it because they didn't want to tell their father and stuff like that, yada, yada, yada. Exactly. Meanwhile, he's kicked out of school. You know what I mean? He's in and out of criminal and everything like that. His entire so, so we can't act like false allegations never happen. You know what I mean? We have to look at each all the details of each case specifically and then go from there. And that's well, and the that, part that's yeah. hard with this topic. And that's why due process becomes so important, what I mentioned earlier. you gotta have, you got to create the process when everyone's calm and nothing's going on, right? Mm, so when, right, right, right. You know, when spam hits the fan, you've got something to fall back on to say, look, we all agreed on this. This is how we're going to do it. Let the process work. And, uh, you know, and now at the end of the day, it is what it is. And so when you come out the other end, you, you, know, you deal with what the facts are and and act appropriately so um you know so you know in, in this one like i said it's uh uh you know i think you gotta just let you know due process do what it does and and uh but you know we've built our whole country on innocent until proven guilty and instead of the other way around and when you try and flip that boy does it get messy i agree there has to be actual rules in place and everything like that like you said you, it, it can't just be the win because you've seen it work both ways you know what exactly. i mean you see some guys who were guilty of sin you know what I mean? They committed uh-huh. it. And then they get off and nothing happens and everything like that. And you've seen it the opposite way. So they're just they're just neat. But you have to well, – my, my, my point, you have to look at each case individually because exactly. the, the facts are different from case to case. Sounds, sounds like a plan. All right, yep. we're going to take a quick break here, catch our breath, be back. We're going to talk some NBA, talk a few LeBron updates, uh, centers of attention with Atan Thomas. I'm Danny Shays. We'll be right back. When the East is in the house, oh my God. When the East is in the house, oh my God. Oh my God. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. And we are back with Aton Thomas. I'm Danny Shays on Centers of Attention. And Aton, we're going to take a little switch from, uh, uh, you know, over, over back to the NBA. We got training camp starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, which is, you know, obviously another exciting time of the year. I love this time of the year. Of course, it's, uh, uh, you know, getting to that fall, winter, you know, basketball season thing. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but Team USA, they uh, you know they just kind of continue to be snake bit uh, over in China this year. They the good news and we and we touched on it. We're we're following them pretty closely. They did qualify the team for the Olympics next year. And again, this is one of the rare years where USA, or I'm sorry, where the where the World Cup and the Olympics are back to back. Normally they're in the off year, the every other year kind of thing. Uh, and it just kind of added to the number of reasons why guys didn't want to play in it, uh, you know, close to the season, guys being hurt, maybe guys going to new teams. And so they had a harder time putting the team together, still thought they were going to do well. But uh, uh, what's ironic is the, 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 the preseason, the pre-tournament favorites, Serbia and USA, neither of them made the medals. You know, of course, Serbia has... Uh, uh, Nikolai Jokic from uh, from the Nuggets All Star, a couple other All Stars, and uh, and both of them played for the fifth place game. Uh, Team USA lost again, third in a row, first time that's ever happened. Uh, now they're playing for the seventh place game, uh, playing for seventh and eighth, first time that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they're they're just kind of snake bit now. You know Jerry Colangelo, the you know, former. Uh, former Suns owner, uh, you know, executive of the year, took over USA Basketball uh, uh, and returned it to greatness. Uh, now, you know, kind of facing the music of uh, your know, team not playing. Well, of course, they had guys hurt, right? Kyle Kuzma, uh, you know, got hurt, missed the whole tournament. Uh, Tatum uh, missed, uh, uh, you know, sprained his ankle, missed a bunch of the tournament. So, uh, you know, they just kind of never put it together and. Uh, Yes, yeah, so and now they're looking at trying to regroup for the Olympics. Oh, goodness gracious, it looked it looked bad. I'm gonna be honest with you, <laughs> it looked bad when I looked at the recap of the game uh, against Serbia. It it didn't look good at all, and it just gotta go back to it. Um, like they really don't think that Carmelo could have helped them at all on this team. I mean, they they literally <laughs> scored seven points the entire first quarter, and I'm like, you don't think Carmelo could have helped that at all? Like, they looked disjointed on offense. Like, it was like iso ball. And it was – I was like, wow, this is – you know, I I don't – I don't want to be overcritical of them. But it's it's a thing where – we have to see next time in Japan what the what the roster is going to look like. And not necessarily about pointing fingers that this person didn't do his job or this person didn't do his job. You know, which 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 happens, you know what I mean? Of course if you sure. have a embarrassing loss, you you know, people are gonna start pointing fingers. I'm not really a big fan of that if it's coming from anyone, you know what I mean, to publicly point fingers at one person. I I, I don't I'm just not a big fan of that. But but we have to see what kind of roster they're going to put together next year. Because it can't be the same exact roster. Well, I'm I'm sure it won't be. I think they said they had two All-Stars on this roster. uh, Where normally for Olympics they'll have nine or ten, for instance, one issue. And again, Jason Tatum and Kyle Kuzma being hurt, missing most of the tournament. uh, You know, that – it's like they're just kind of snake bit from the beginning. But Jerry Colangelo brought up an interesting point. And Jerry's an awesome guy. I got to know him pretty well in Phoenix. And uh, he was talking about Greg Popovich, who's just been – uh, you know, he, he's been involved in Team USA for a long time. He, you know, as a player, he missed out on the 72 Olympic team, of course, the one that lost to the Russians in the gold medal game, that great, uh, that great controversy team led by Doug Collins. And then he did coach in the 02 World Championships and the Athens Olympics. Neither of those won gold medals. And now he's, here he is with another opportunity and, uh, you, know, ha- you know, has the team that you know, had the issues that we've talked about. So, you know, Jerry was really... Uh, you know, wanting, you know, 
pop to have a great experience. So we're going to cross our fingers uh, for the next one. Uh, they're, always, they're already starting to put together and look at who's going to want to play next year. And, of course, the Olympics are, are way bigger. And, again, we talked about all the, all the features that made this one a tough year. But, uh, uh, you know, but it, it definitely, uh, you know, they took one on the chin, that's for sure. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, it was, it was embarrassing, and they're going to be talked bad about, and all that's going to happen. But, like I said, they, they, they so now they're playing for, like, seventh or eighth place against? Seventh, they got the seventh and eighth place game, yeah. <laughs> Lord. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Lord, that's even worse. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. You know, I don't know. I don't uh, know. Did they get a participation medal? Uh, yeah, know, like, I don't like know. Like the kid stuff this year? Or does, the, you know, the they. <laughs> <laughs> participation trophy that's tough that's tough hey hey let me ask you real quick did you see the tweet uh the instagram thing from from kobe with the um with his with his uh mambasitas the aau team when he was kind of like yeah. chastising the the one girl who the had one the girl miss. who had a dance recital i was like come on kobe she's in fifth grade or sixth grade let the girl go and do that but the public but that's what i'm talking about you know going back to Colangelo. the public chastising of a player i just never really was into that you know what i mean i feel jackson used to do it i mean you know you know Little fifth fifth grade girls. That's a whole different level of you know what I mean. But right. oh, I don't know. Full backpedal mode too. No, no. I was only pointing out that you know she wasn't here. That's why she wasn't in the picture. That in case people wondered why she wasn't in the picture. It's like who wondered why she wasn't in the picture, Kobe? Right. Ain't nobody <laughs> asked that. You was publicly <laughs> chastising her, Kobe. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, wow. You know, that's 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 pretty tough. And they all look so <laughs> sad. Like I don't know how y'all do. So so you're if you're playing a game, you know. I mean, say you play in the championship games. You know how the the you know the, they'll get the second team silver medals. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they all oh, take. Yeah. We usually accept our medals and stuff like that. We usually don't take a picture with them because guys are not happy and everything like that. But they all look so sad in the picture. I'm like Kobe. They don't even look like they're having any fun. You know, well, what Mama, I mean? they're, they're they're young girls. You gotta yeah, you gotta spruce that up a little bit. I'm like, relax, Kobe. Day. We're we're all winners just for being here. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something. <laughs> Goodness gracious, they look pitiful. <laughs> uh, last alpha dog, right? You can't. I uh, guess. Can't I take guess. It out of... All right, we're going to take another quick break <laughs> uh, with a Tom Thomas. I'm Danny Shays. We'll be right back. This is Centers of Attention with a Tom Thomas and Danny Shays. And we are back with Atan Thomas. I'm Danny Shays, uh, Centers of Attention. And Atan, I want to kind of go back to this uh, Senate Bill 206 in California. We talked about this, how uh, California has passed the law. It's now up at the uh, governor's desk to be ratified, where college players can earn money in, in, in California. Uh, without and there's a, a rule where they can't be penalized by the NCAA, and so now, of course, the NCAA is threatening to go back. And the NCAA has a long history of losing these deals uh, because, frankly, it's a violation, right? Just like collective bargaining in pro sports, things like the draft and things, you know, all these things are violations of antitrust law. They have to be bargained, right? That's the whole point of collective bargaining. Well, in college, nobody bargains for the players. The rules are just made by the NCAA, and, uh, right. and as a result, you know, players are getting you know, players come and go so quickly. There's no one really to fight it because they're gone in two years. By the time a lawsuit goes through the system, they're long gone. So, you know, the last one that re- really did damage we talked about was the Ed O'Bannon suit. Ed O'Bannon, the star player for UCLA, 
uh, led a class action lawsuit against the NCAA about video games. They were NCAA was selling video games with guys in them. His face, his name, Ed O'Bannon, UCLA, number 31. He was getting mm-hmm. zero. They ended up winning the lawsuit. The NCAA paid $44 million in attorney's fees to defend themselves, lose the lawsuit, and they only and, the, and their loss was they had to pay players 500 bucks a year, put to trust, and they were so against it, they killed the video game That's versus paid players after they lost. They, they cost even more millions that they were making in the video game, and now it looks like they're losing this deal on 206. So, so, so they paid $44 million in attorney fees not to have to pay the players. That's what they were doing, and then they canceled the and, whole game series. And on top of series. that, killed the game that was making money, so That's they wouldn't amazing. have to pay the players. That's amazing. And, and they only had to pay the players five hundred bucks a year. <sighs> that was what the that was what the settlement or the 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 final resolution was. And they wouldn't do that. And that's so that's that's the problem with with the the narrative that the NCAA puts forward as to why they don't want to pay the players because they because stuff like that you know what I mean I mean you know it it just shows the level of hypocrisy you know and then they use language like it will destroy the sanctity of the NCAA or it will I'm like come on man just say you want to keep the money for yourself that's so, all. You know, <laughs> so yeah so where it is now it's on the desk of the governor Gavin Newsom in California. And, uh, and I'm sure he's getting all kinds of pressure from the colleges to vote this down. And uh, so, so, quote, the NCA wants no part of cutting student athletes a check and warned Newsom that doing so was unconstitutional, harmful, and the, the one you just made threatens to jeopardize the sanctity of amateur sports. And wait, this is the billion dollars just for the NCA tournament amateur sports, right? Mm. That one? <laughs> yeah, goodness gracious. That's that's I don't even know I don't even know how to react to that. Like what do you even say to that? I mean because it's you're 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 trying you're trying to give, you know, the NCAA the benefit of the doubt so many times in this discussion, you know, and so many people are. But when things when when thing not not saying I am or you know you are, I'm saying that people are are trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But when things like this happen and you look at their arguments you know what I mean? As to why they would be against it, the, the, uh, for a player to to uh, to benefit from his likeness takes nothing out the NCAA's um, pocket. Nothing. It has nothing to do with them. Do you know what I mean? I mean, why would you just don't want them? Because nobody's saying the schools should pay the players, but just allow them right. to earn money on. That's it. As an entrepreneur, just like any other student could be. You know, to me, there's only this exact issue where it's California only. The only issue that comes up for me is to say, well, look, if California is the only state that will allow this based on this bill, then it does clearly give California schools an advantage, right? If I can go to UCLA and make money, but I can't go to Syracuse and make money, well, you know, that gives UCLA a, bu- a big bump. So clearly this is an issue whose time has come that the NCAA has to step up and do something real, allow, you know, open this up for players. Plus, you know, as we talked about before, this will keep players in schools, keep some players in school longer because they can earn a little money. You know, this will bring more money into the NCAA. And, uh, you know, and to me it's a win-win. It, it brings, and it brings more branding to the guys who are going to then go into the NBA because one of the NBA's complaints is these young guys come in without, without a following. So I see this solely as a win. That's why I'm a little confused and why it's such a, so much resistance from the NCAA. It, it reeks of hypocrisy. That's that's why. That's we can't ah, connect the dots the because the dots hypocrisy. aren't connecting. It's not connecting. <laughs> <laughs> the dots are not connecting. <laughs> that's why. Uh, exactly. So anyway, we'll we'll keep our eyes on this one. Uh, you know, right now it it looks like uh, you know the NCA's got uh, 
Uh, you know, it's their move. They're, you know, they've put the big threat down that if this does pass and goes through, which, again, the governor has to sign it, uh, that, um, you know, they're going to bar it, the California schools from participating in any championships. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. But I think, like I said, this is something that's time has come. Come on, NCAA, come up with a resolution. And uh, let's get this figured out for, you know, for the good of the players. So, all right, well, thank you again. A great week, Atan. Looking forward to more centers of attention. With Atan Thomas, I'm Danny Shays, and we'll be back on Monday.